Live from the offices of Great River Investments in the beautiful city of Burlington, Iowa, this is the Marvin Knows Finances Show. I am your host, Marvin Thompson, your certified financial planner. And joining me today is special guest Shane Hunold, uh, owner and CEO of Hunold Insurance, and Joe Jolin of Jolin Media in West Burlington, Iowa. Also owner and CEO. Yeah, hey, thank you. I hang out with some very <laughs> impressive people here. Yeah. Uh, thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen in. And for all you listeners on Google Podcasts and Spotify, uh, don't forget to click the subscribe button. If you prefer to see how we make the show come together, please check out our YouTube channel, Marvin Knows Finances, and click subscribe there as well. Just like the last and every time, I have to take care of a little business before we get moving too far forward to please my compliance department. And due to our topic today, we have some extra disclosures to provide. Marvin Thompson is an investment advisor representative and a registered representative with Brokers Financial Member SIPC. Opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily reflect those of Brokers Financial. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Great River Investments LLC does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstances. Investments in commodities may have greater volatility than investments in traditional securities, particularly if the instruments involve leverage. The value of commodity-linked derivative instruments may be affected by changes in overall market movements, commodity index volatility. Changes in interest rates are factors affecting a particular industry or commodity, such as drought, floods, weather, livestock disease, embargoes, tariffs, and international economic, political, and regulatory developments. Use of leveraged commodity-linked derivatives creates an opportunity for increased return, but at the same time creates the great creates the possibility for greater loss. There you go. <laughs> That's a lot of reading. That disclosure is a mouthful. Uh, let yeah. me tell you. So, guys, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Morning. How you doing today, Shane? <laughs> I'm here. Yeah, looks great. As we were talking, this is your busy time of the year. One of your busy times of the year. Yes. Yes. So thank you for joining us and taking some time out of your day to be part of this. So um, uh, for those of you listening, if you don't know, you know, we live in a part of the world where agriculture production is a prevalent industry. It's probably the top one, I would imagine. Um, So Shane has joined us today to discuss his business. Um, Shane specializes in crop insurance. Um, And we're going to ask him some questions about how he utilizes crop insurance to protect his clientele and maybe even help them take some of the extremes in farming out so they can focus on growing their farming business. Because farming business is like every other business. Still just a business. Still just a business. Exactly. So Shane, tell us a little bit about your background. Tell us how to contact you. What's your past work history? What are your degrees in? I've known you for a long time, so... I mean, you can just keep talking. You're doing a great job. No, it's it's your turn now. All right, that's reasonable. Uh, Background, grew up farming. Still farm with my father occasionally when he allows me on the farm. Sorry. No, you're right. Uh, went to Iowa State University. Should have been an agronomist. Didn't quite make it to the agronomy side, but uh, ended up getting a secondary, or I should say a um, professional certification later, a certified crop advisor. Okay. Still hold those credentials. Um, I worked as an agronomist uh, in the co-op system and then in the private sector for, oh, I don't know, eight, nine years before moving into insurance. Okay. And uh, you know, we did property and casualty for a little bit. And then for the last oh, 13, 14 years, been crop insurance um, has been my, my, my game, if you will. Yep. And when did you start um, your own place? A decade ago now. It's been 10 years it's already? It's been 10 years this yeah. year. Because you and I met when you were working at your previous employer. It's true. It's okay. true. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's been a decade now. I currently work in Iowa, Illinois, Missouri, Arkansas, and I'm thinking about Kansas next year. No kidding. 
Yeah. So the idea of slowing down, it's not even in your radar. No, that went out the windshield. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> it's, it's not on your radar screen. No, so. no it's nowhere near it. Yeah. So. so in fairness of full disclosure, um, my brother and I, you know, our farming operation, we work with Shane. You know, we, um, we worked with Shane for a number of years. We heavily rely on his advice for um, what type of protection we should have. Um, he's very good about sitting down with us one-on-one a couple times a year to discuss, you know, what did we just go through? What was last year like? What's the plans for for this year? And he makes appropriate recommendations based on that. So um, he has our full faith and confidence that. in that. There's no doubt about it. So um, so let's talk about uh, crop insurance because, you know, uh, this is my 10th or 11th year of farming now. And crop insurance is still one of those things that kind of confuses me a little bit, even with my financial background. That's reasonable. That's one of the reasons why we rely on you so much. Appreciate that. So can you talk about the basics of the federal crop insurance program and why did it even come into existence? Sure. So the federal crop insurance program is a federally subsidized program in that the government pays um, quite a large portion of all premiums. Um, And that's really quite nice in that it's in the government and the population at large's best interest to keep more farmers in business. More farmers we have, more competition there is, more grain there is to be sold. Um, And that tends to work in everybody's best interest. So by subsidizing it, it makes it, I'd say, quite affordable. Um, Now there are, of course, okay, (laughs) fair fair point. More disclosures or no? More disclosures Uh, coming. I'm not writing the checks, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's a very reasonable look. But giving you a hard time. No, you should. I deserve it. Uh, But for the amount of um, income that we can guarantee, or at least the amount of coverage we can guarantee, the the premium offset is quite reasonable um, as it compares to all other forms of insurance. So I've always kind of looked at it as if, as a farmer or farming operation, if there's some sort of natural disaster, um, basically crop insurance doesn't make you profitable, but it gives you enough to hopefully continue to farm in the next year or two, whatever. Yeah, that's correct. Now there are certain years, um, this being one of them potentially, depending upon what the markets continue to do, where crop insurance may be able to lead to insuring for a profit. Uh, it doesn't happen very often. Okay. Um, but there are, I think, in the last 10 years, two years that I can say where we definitively got into those ranges. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's definitely a backstop. Mm-hmm. It's definitely there to make sure that you can continue farming. Okay. Um, I have a client um, in southern Missouri that it wasn't that he couldn't afford the major loss. It was that he didn't want to have the the issue in cash. Explain so, what that means. What? So year to year, you have you know cash that you have to work with operating cash. Yeah. All right. So he may have had enough cash sitting around to pay for a complete loss one year. Okay. Two years, questionable. Three years, definitively not. But this allows you to not have to have that that massive dip in equity. Gotcha. And it works really well. It covers everything that Mother Nature can throw at you. Gotcha. So are there people out there who farm who do not have crop insurance? Absolutely. That's, I'm, I'm telling you, that's not even a thought on the radar screen. I know. I know. But every year I pick up at least five or six clients that don't. Really? Never have. Just, just never, never have. have had it. Just no. got lucky. Or then they experienced a they loss experience, and suddenly yeah. here we go. 2012 was a big one. Um, you saw an awful lot of people pick up crop insurance they never had before. Okay. Because it just didn't rain. But we had people last year who experienced a pretty significant hailstorm just south of Burlington. We and, did. Um, pretty much leveled their crops. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it took the, the crops from you know being a, a very fantastic crop to maybe 10 to 20% of what they would have expected, which is far below what they needed to uh, 
um, I guess, get whole again. Yeah. So, yeah. But fortunately, crop insurance is there for those purposes. So you could have had a situation where you had somebody on one side of the road who had crop insurance and a situation where the guy across the road didn't have crop insurance. and It's entirely possible. A, That's accurate. Yeah. A tale of two <laughs> cities right there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And then the person that had it likely, um, as long as they set their you know, policies up appropriately, agent-wise, yep. um, yeah. Was it a great year? No. Gotcha. Did it hurt? Sure. But um, are still very, very financially sound at this particular point. And yeah. the other person probably is too, as long as they had played defense for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, last year's type of a storm, you can wipe out 10 years worth of equity mm-hmm. in one year. It's crazy. It's crazy. absolutely nuts. Purpose of insurance, folks, is to uh, transfer that risk Absolutely. to a company or a government entity in this case that is uh, yes. trying to help you. Yes. You know, yes. and I give Shane a hard time about my premiums being a lot, but honestly, for what they pay out and for what they um, for what they cover, it's invaluable. Yeah, it truly I mean, is. Because we've, we've had crop insurance claims. Yes. Yes. You know? yeah. We won't go too deep into detail on that one. No, but, but uh, it's just a fact. We've had crop insurance claims, and they've oh, yeah. saved us. Oh, yeah. If I could buy this for my business, I would. Absolutely. I mean, the government's going to subsidize it, and, and we're okay with that, then absolutely we yep. should. Yep. Um, but it's, it's like I said, it's better for the, the population at large that this program exists. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about the cost benefits of crop insurance. Yeah. Okay. So cost benefit ratio, it really, when you're looking at it, uh, today's premiums, you're looking at somewhere around um, 15 to $20 an acre for corn um, on the top end. You can go higher than that, but most folks don't. Uh, and then soybeans-wise, you know, 10 to $15 at most. You can, well, this year, uh, not unheard of to get $600 in coverage for that 10 bucks. Really? You know, um, especially on folks that have a higher... Um, 10 year history, you know, and that's what we build our bases off of is 10 years worth of history, of crop history, and then the, uh, the the current commodity prices. And um, yeah, we can get six to $800 for 10 bucks, 15 bucks. Yeah. That's really pretty reasonable when we look at the input costs from everything else, mm-hmm. um, especially for what we're guaranteeing. Yep, absolutely. Um, the, the commodity prices um, affect crop insurance. Yes. Okay. Can you explain how that works? Because that's still something, you know, I know that we the government comes out with their, their limits or whatever they say it Correct. is. And then it's based on, pay, payments are based on that? Claims are based, based Correct. on Correct. Okay. So the, the crop insurance year starts March 15th. Well, okay. That's actually the, 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 the date at which you have to sign up uh, and pick your coverages. Um, the month of February, we average Chicago border trade prices for the futures contracts, and that's where we come up with our starting commodity prices. Are those fall commodity price contracts? Fall, yes, okay. fall, uh, November and December, okay. corn beans respectively. Uh, what's nice about that is historically, those were the highs. Well, if we look back the last 20 years, February was always the time to sell. Okay. Because generally speaking, that's when we saw things go in the right direction. You mm-hmm. know, crop was in, we knew what we had. Now we can start selling our crop and, and, and get pretty decent prices. The last five years or so hasn't been that way. We've been in a very um, volatile market in February. Um, so, it, but, but this year it kind of worked out to our advantages. Um, and then as we move through the year, if you have the revenue side of the policy, I uh, should, I guess, back up. There are two portions of it. There's the, the yield and there's the revenue. The yield just works off that, that um, March 15th, you know, price range. Mm-hmm. Uh, the revenue side, though, is which roughly 95% of everyone who carries federal crop has, uh, works off of a fall price. And the way crop insurance works today is you get paid the higher of the two mm-hmm. between the spring and the fall. Mm-hmm. 
right now we're looking at probably at least a dollar or two dollar gain um, between spring and fall. Nice. Um, it can work in the other direction. So if prices would happen to fall, um, which I don't anticipate, but it's entirely possible, mm-hmm. especially looking at commodities today, um, <clears throat> it takes an awful lot more bushels per acre at that lower price point in order to make up the same revenue per acre that the government's guaranteeing. So in effect, you're guaranteeing a revenue per acre. And that's what they're trying to do. And everything is stacked in the producer's favor. Mm-hmm. So we look at the, the fall price, you know, November D's, which is generally the low period, um, which is beneficial to the client. And we have this February average, which is also beneficial to the client. Uh, the government did a very good job of stacking everything in the favor of the producer. It doesn't always feel that way when you read the policy itself, but... It's assuming you read it. That's fair. That's why you keep me around. So, <laughs> yep. he does. Yeah. This is what I do. <laughs> this is what you do. Exactly right. I read policy. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Mm-hmm. No, not so much. Um, but but the commodities really do work in your favor that way. So assuming that we look at historical trends and they stay that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so. funny you mentioned historical trends because we were literally just talking about that on the podcast we just recorded. Oh, really? You know, well, nice. history tends to repeat itself. You know, exactly. It's, it's not exact. But it sets up the trend no. for what you're looking at in the future. Yes. You know, yes. So. And, and in farming, I tend to think that the, the best indicator of what next year is going to bring is look at last year. It's not always accurate, especially in today's world. But, but uh, you know, if we look at what prices are doing, you know, look mm-hmm. at last year and look at the trends we've seen in the last five years, and, mm-hmm. and you'll probably find what the trends are going to be this year. Mm-hmm. Not perfect, but within reason. Absolutely. All right. Uh, private product advantages and disadvantages. So... Is this considered private product? No, this okay. is federal. Okay. Are there private products out there? There are. There are. Interesting. Um, so you have the federal program, and then you have um, all of the individual crop insurance companies that are paid by the federal crop um, company, I guess uh, the government, to administer crop insurance. But they've also been given the ability to be real crop insurance companies. So they can have their own product? They products? have their own products. And each company kind of has little ones that, are, that they tweak. Um, but they but they do have their purposes. They generally are a lot less expensive mm-hmm. um, if it's a singular um, peril. But then if you're starting to get into things that carry more and more uh, coverage, then, of course, they get expensive very quickly okay. because there's no subsidies with it. Okay. Um, more of the popular ones in this part of the world would be hail, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, there's grain fire, wind, green snap. Um, there's some other ones that are... We picked up a couple of those. You did last year because our our corn crop got. Well, you had a loss. Well, you you would have had a loss had the private product been in place. Yeah. Right. Yep. But we picked up wind coverage this year, I think, and we've always carried hail coverage. Yes. Because that's not a super common event around here. But like I said, after experiencing what some farmers did last year in this area. Yeah. Two inch hail will definitely um, get rid of your crop for you. Corn corn stock can't handle Uh, that. No. You don't need a brush (laughs) hog after that. You just let Mother Nature take care of it. Exactly. Um, but 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 those these individual private products do have a good purpose. Okay. Um, a lot of folks in Iowa, a lot of producers have what they call an enterprise unit now, where everything is lumped together. Okay. You know, all of your corn is in one basket, all your beans is one basket. That's my next question. Yep. Funny how that works. Weird, isn't it? I know. Interesting. <laughs> uh, but but these individual products generally work on the per acre basis. So instead of having you know fields that are 20, 30 miles apart, now we can cover them for individual perils in a one-off situation. And generally when we're talking about hail, when we're talking about wind, when we're talking about these individual perils, they are generally one-offs. Okay. They aren't area-wide. Mm-hmm. Now we're working our way into a drought. Oh, 
Probably wood. shouldn't have done that. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but um, but you know that's where the multi-parallel policy really picks up. You know, it shines when we see something that's area wide. Um, it really just takes over. Gotcha. Now I know when we were talking about these individual perils, you were like, you know, I'm I'm basically recommending a, a solid base product here. Correct. Okay. And then my brother and I made the decision, of course, based on our personal experience, what we should. You do. Did. So I was going to leave that. Is one that alone. the? Well, no. I mean, this is an open mic here. Basically, you know, we talk about <laughs> okay, it. Okay, that's reasonable. So we did not carry wind coverage. No. Up until this year, no, this will be the first year we have it. So, uh, from a private product standpoint, I, as you say, I like to think that you should very much build in a good solid base. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a federal program that's highly subsidized. Mm-hmm. Let's use all of that to our advantage that we possibly can. If we have extra insurance money after that that we want to place in something, or we find that we have a risk that we think is unaddressed, then we can look at the other things. Mm-hmm. But unless we're sitting at a eighty percent coverage, eighty-five if we really feel it's necessary. Um, I would prefer that we take our federal crop coverages up to those levels before we go off and spend money on individual basis. Mm-hmm. Um, just because the, the federal program covers everything Mother Nature has, mm-hmm. whereas hail, wind, they cover exactly what they say. What's green snap? Green snap, thanks, is when you have a... <laughs> you said it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Green snap is when we have generally a straight line wind, not always, but heavy wind conditions that break off a stalk um, generally in the like bottom 12 inches of it. Okay. Uh, usually we see it at a stage in the, the crops production cycle um, where it's trying to put on a lot of green matter very quickly. So you have your seed, your, your sprout, and then we're growing very rapidly to effectively make this big photosynthate factory so we can start producing grain. Mm-hmm. All right, so that process... Stop. <laughs> Saw that wink. Mm-hmm. Get me into my wheelhouse here. <laughs> I like it. I sideline as an agronomist, by the way. Yes, yeah, you do. Um, here, that's but, the next question. Yeah, but, but, but it, the long story short is it when plants grow rapidly like that, they don't put a whole lot of uh, material or uh, energy into making a very sturdy structure. That comes later. Mm-hmm. And therefore, when we have a very strong wind and hits it, it snaps it off in that big area. Right. And it's done. Right. Yeah. So you generally don't see green snap later in its life cycle. You generally see it, you know, like I said, in that first, you know, maybe 12 to 16 inches. Um, I've seen it as tall as three, four feet, but that's usually a very strong wind. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we'll see lodging instead of green snap. So it won't snap off. It'll actually uproot the entire root ball. Oh. Because um, once again, it maybe not had the, the opportunity to grow the root ball as far as you would like it to. Have. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that's kind of nice this year where we've had some some drought, some, some dryness, we're forcing the, the, the crops to actually look for water. They're going down. Going down. Yeah. So, you know, that wind policy that you bought, once again, I'm not, I'd like to knock on wood. Hopefully it's not necessary because you've got a lot of things going in the plant's favor right now. I really hope it's not necessary too because I don't want to go through a harvest like we did last yeah, year right. trying to get that corn off the ground. <laughs> Very few people buy you know insurance on their home to hope it burns down, right? So. Exactly right. <laughs> Exactly Let's hope right. it doesn't work this way either. Yep. Let's talk about your agronomy background. Um, um, tell us how it helps you in terms of making your your recommendations to clients and so forth. Sure. So as stated earlier, we've I've got a strong agronomy background, and what I've found that works really nice as it pairs with crop insurance is that um, uh, I had a, a professor at one point tell me that agronomics and economics have to cross paths if we're going to stay in business. Right, so they, they really do. You know, mm-hmm. you can you can throw everything at the plant all day long, spend a just a ton of money, 
and you may not get anything back out of it. Mm-hmm. So we really need to step back and kind of look at you know what we're putting into this and, and what our economic return is going to be. Crop insurance, I find, comes into that where we start to look at, all right, we have X amount of money already into the crop. Is it worth harvesting? Is it worth continuing on? Is it worth putting more money into it? Can I backstop that? And I find that my agronomic background really lends itself to that because um, fungicides is a good example of it. You know, especially as we move to the south, is it worth putting it on? Is it not? Do we really anticipate that much yield gain? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. And it really is de- situational dependent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that my background tends to lend itself very well to putting um, dollars to you know, to real life scenarios and then how it applies to the protection that comes with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we take it a step further and we look at grain markets and try to figure out, okay, if we're getting, say, $15 for our beans right now or, or 7 or so for our corn, um, maybe we really do want to go after that extra bushel of grain if it's less than, than the, the cost of production. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you said fungicide. That's sometimes a bad word in our operation. It can be. <laughs> fungicide is one of those things that you, you either, it's like insurance. Mm-hmm. You either consistently do it or you don't because it's not going to consistently return you yields. It's going to say maybe 7 out of 10 or 5 out of 10. It's when Mother Nature throws you that curveball that you're, that you're not entirely ready for. Mm-hmm. But those few years that it does hit, Massive. it shines. My brother calls it go-go juice. Exactly. It's go-go juice. Exactly. It just gives it's like a steroid boost to the, to the crop. Right. Exactly. Pretty crazy. And, and it works, right? It has worked. It works when the need is there. Mm-hmm. The problem is the need's not always there. Mm-hmm. And you need to apply it early enough before you know the need's already there. Because if you can see the need, it's too late. See, that's where we rely on yet another person. <laughs> <laughs> to at a different company to the other agronomist the other agronomist that you know works with us so. exactly exactly right. and, and like I said you believe it and you don't and quite frankly especially when we see commodity prices being where they are mm-hmm. it probably pays mm-hmm. I mean don't don't leave it on the table absolutely right all right so at the beginning of the show we talked about this is one of your busy times of the year because it's acreage reporting season for you okay it is explain to everybody listening what what we as farmers have to do and then what we have to give to you. How does it work? There you go. So the, the process is um, adapting or changing over time here. It used to be you would just go to the FSA office, report, I should say farm service agency for, for non-acronym farming people, mm-hmm. um, and report your acres when you did it. Uh, and then that information we would take and we would uh, effectively convert it into a crop insurance document. Um, now, today, we still use that process. It's still preferred by most agents. Um, you can also utilize um, precision farming, uh, so your GPS information, um, your data. You can report direct to your agent as well. Uh, either way, effectively, we need to have the planting dates because those are very important to when coverage starts to diminish. If We know that if we plant too late, actuarially, we lose coverage, mm-hmm. and we also lose production, and therefore, coverage goes down. Um, so how much, where it's at, and when it was done. And those things develop your coverage. Mm-hmm. So the more acres you plant, the more coverage you end up with. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, where it is, because each individual farm carries its own database, its own history, and therefore its own coverages. Yep. And we have to have all that done by July 15th. So mm-hmm. if anyone's out there listening, 715, please. please have it done. Please have I'm it sure done. the FSA office would like to see you. They would very much like to see you. <laughs> so it's kind of weird that the government... <coughs> just doesn't take our word for it. You know? Isn't it? They want these crops certified. <laughs> wow. Isn't that odd? There's no error whatsoever there. No. There's no room for manipulation, anything. No. And um, which, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now we're in complete conjecture. <laughs> but in a world where data has a lot of value, the information that you give to both the Farm Service Agency and to your crop insurance agent is very, very valuable. Mm -hmm. And the NAS, which is the National Ag Statistics Services, um, uses some of that data to you know put out reports. Okay, so that's going to bring me to a question that we don't have on the list. Thought so right. I got a phone call hmm. and said like three of ac three of my acres of a forty acre field had been chosen to be part of a national ag survey. Lucky you. Well, apparently they don't come in and damage my crop or anything like that. They no, do they it don't. from satellite photos or whatever. What is it? So, I mean, actually, this happened to me two years ago, but the field they chose, we took prevent planting on. <laughs> that was fun. So they didn't... Wait, so you're the reason the crop, you know, took a huge jump that year? Yeah. Good to know. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so, uh, NAS... All national, three acres. There you go. Uh, national National Ag Statistics Services, also known as NAS. Uh, that's what I'll refer to it as because it's just a lot easier to say. Uh, they are responsible for releasing the reports. Um, for planting intentions, for crop uh, quality issues. And we'll see um, reports be, oh, what is it, every month, every other month kind of released. And, and sadly, we oftentimes see the markets take a giant jump in one direction or the other, especially if the market wasn't anticipating what NAS released. Okay. Um, what NAS does is effectively what you got in the mail, what your phone call was. It goes out and randomly surveys things. Mm -hmm. uh, and they take those three acres, they look at it, they count the pods, they look at stand counts, they figure out what's there. And from that, they extrapolate it to the nationwide and say, okay, well, we can say roughly this many acres are planted. This is the quality of it at this time. This is what we anticipate for harvest later in the year. And then sadly, the trade, uh, I say commodity trade at this point, uses that data to develop whether or not they're buying or selling. Gotcha. Whether so they're going it impacts short. prices. Exactly. Is this the WASD report? It is. That's okay. That's the one. So the WASD report is released monthly. Yes. Monthly. And yes. it gives number of acres number of acres planted. Correct. Estimated yield off those Correct. and so forth. It's Correct. a nationwide thing, right? It's it not just is. Midwest. No, it is not. not just Midwest. Now what's interesting is that NAS is very seldom correct. They do their best. They're a statistics service. Sure. You know, but they're statistically within a margin of error. And sometimes mm -hmm. that margin of error is bigger and sometimes it's smaller. Good old standard um, deviation. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> I love stat in college. It's the best. <laughs> yeah, not so much. But um, they don't often hit it directly on the head. Mm -hmm. They do the best with what they're working with. Mm -hmm. It's still a stat. Uh, so much so that the trade, um, specifically some larger brokerages, have started doing their own. Okay. Um, you see the pro ag or pro farmer tour every fall now. Yep. That is basically to combat NAS. Okay. Because NAS isn't always accurate. It affects the trade, mm -hmm. oftentimes to the negative. Mm -hmm. um, and so you see a lot of these other trade groups starting to do their own. Which is good because it gives Which us is great. another number to look at. Exactly. Yeah. Which is absolutely great because it gives you something else. Now, the sad thing is um, Chicago. I say Chicago because the Chicago Board of Trade is what pretty much our entire lives revolve around when it mm -hmm. comes to commodity prices. Um, but it gives us another number to look at. But generally speaking, that number doesn't carry as much weight gotcha. as what the WASTI report does. Gotcha. Even though it's probably more accurate, mm -hmm. uh, at least as it pertains to the Midwest. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, let's look at the outlook for any recommendations you got. I mean, I had a smart so, person once tell me when you see profit, don't be scared to take it. That's right. Never be afraid to take a profit. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. You take your own advice there. 
Um, in a lot of cases, yes, and way too many cases, no. Yeah, me too. Um, but what type of outlook are you looking for here? You know, so when we look at like in our local area here, you know, you mentioned we have a drought. But when you look at the stands right now, the crops, hmm. they're looking pretty spectacular. Oh, we you have know? A beautiful crop brewing. Beautiful crop going in this area of the world right now. Um, we do. Even, even guys who somewhat got in a little bit later don't seem to be facing any experiences. No. no. Uh, we've had a good combination of some hot weather early this year, which really helped shoot up the crop a little bit. It did. Um, we need some rain. We do. You we know? do. So as you read your stuff, that's the kind of outlook we're looking for, you know. And, of course, any recommendations for any potential farmer who's listening to this, you know, like what are you thinking if you don't have this crop insurance? Right, right. So as we go forward, I still think that we're, you know, I actually I know we are in a very profitable commodity price. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a great crop brewing, mm-hmm. um, which is why if you look at the Board of Trade today and yesterday, we've been seeing some negative numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chicago likes to, you know, to see that. This time of year, we're in a weather market, mm-hmm. uh, which gives us a very sign of soil. We're gonna, this thing is going to feel like it's on a roller coaster. We're going to jump up 30 cents. We're going to drop 30 cents. And anything that comes out, any little piece of information, be it Ukraine or it rained over the Corn Belt or it didn't rain over the Corn Belt, is going to move this market. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also see a lot of speculation coming in and out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just what the, the, the nature of the beast, especially when we're looking at prices being this high. Um, we do have a good crop growing. Uh, and what I generally like to see, and I'm not a commodity broker, full disclosure. Neither am I. But, yeah, exactly. I'm not sure I'd want to be in that line of work right now, but I'm glad those folks can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but going forward, don't be scared to take some profit. Mm-hmm. Um, as it pertains to what I do for a living from a crop insurance standpoint, a lot of farmers, a lot of growers like to sell bushels. They say, oh, I sold 1,000 bushels. I sold 10,000 bushels. You know, whatever your increment is. Uh, you know, generally, if you want it to work in, in, um, in line with your crop insurance, sell dollars. Don't sell bushels. So you're guaranteeing a revenue per acre. That revenue is guaranteed provided that you sell at the same times the markets are set for the crop insurance prices. Now, we're not, but you can average into it. But... If you sell a revenue per acre, a dollar per acre, say, okay, I sold $100 per acre, or I've sold $300 per acre of my crop. Well, now we know from that standpoint, it's not bushels anymore because bushels are not an exact number when it comes to crop insurance. We know that you are now still within what you're going to be able to be covered for. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're covered for $1,000 an acre, sell up to you know 750 and still feel very confident that you're going to mm-hmm. have some left over. When I first got into this, you know, I, I was younger and arguably less uh, less intelligent when you started working with me <laughs> uh, questionable no comments no yeah, that's what that be. but uh, uh, my father said you know if i if i take your crop insurance at the end to buy back my crop to buy out my contracts what do i have to eat on the rest of the year it's a very valuable point mm-hmm. so you want to leave a little bit of wiggle room in there you know unless you know you tend to be you know run a little harder that that's wonderful if you do but but uh, you know leave leave a little um, um room in there to spare mm-hmm. and make sure like I said sell dollars breaker don't sell bushels good advice good advice Shane how do people um, get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more about this uh, phone number website email throw it all out there but well thank you yep this is um, your ten dollars worth of marketing time I appreciate that <laughs> so I have a website hunoldins.com how you spell hunold H-U-N-O-L-D-I-N as in Naomi, S.com. Perfect. That gives you all the information you need. Uh, Direct line, 319-470-4441. 
And I'm, I'm hesitant to say this on a hot mic, but I pretty much answer that phone no matter what time of day it is. So wow. it's calling benign. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you laugh, but I took a call Christmas Eve once at a family dinner. That's not good. That's dedication. They needed it. So oh, okay. <laughs> if somebody somebody's gonna call on that day, it's a <laughs> yeah. That's a, there's that's an emergency. Yep. So feel free to uh, to give me a jingle if you need something. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you for being here today. It's much appreciated. Appreciate so, the invite. Uh, so as I'd mentioned, folks, and when you listen to Shane talk, you understand the extensive background that he brings to all of his customers. And one of the things that we like is that he farms. You know, him and his father farm. And a lot of our conversations over our lunch or just in general over the phone, whatever. Um, well, maybe we shouldn't talk about all of our conversations, but... Some of those can be left untouched. It's easy to relate back to us because he's got that. So um, as a personal friend, you know, Shane has earned my family's trust when it comes to our crop insurance needs as well as the guidance he provides. I appreciate so it's pretty that. much invaluable. So, um, so today, my heartfelt thanks goes out to all of you for listening. Um, a special thanks to Shane and Joe um, for joining me today and providing their feedback and information. Nice. Joe, it was nice to hear from you today. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> we want to hear from you folks. So please reach out to me by either giving me a call at 319-576-2264 or visiting my website at www.greatriverinvestments.com. Go to the Contact Us section of the site, and I or a member of my team may be in touch with you shortly to discuss our next steps together. Thank you very much and have a good day.